Once upon a time, there was a man named Gideon. This man was hiding, hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat. He found himself there because his people, the Israelites, his tribe, was suffering from starvation because the enemy, the Midianites, stole absolutely everything, including their crops and their harvests. And every single time they would reap a harvest, the Midianites would come along and take it and steal it. These people were starving. Judges chapter 6, verse 6. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then they, the Israelites, cried out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. The prophetic voice. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from everyone who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. And I told you, I am the Lord your God. Here's the only thing that I ask back from you. Don't worship other gods. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites and the lands which now you live. But you ignored me. Verse 10, Judges 6.10. You did not listen to me. Then, after the prophetic voice emerged, then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree, which belonged to the clan of Abiezer. Gideon was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord, right there, next to a tree, looking at the man in the pit, looked at the man in the pit and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. I want to speak to you. Our sermon series is called The Hideout. The hidden warrior. And the subtext is survive to thrive. Survive to thrive. We've talked about the hidden warrior's harvest. Every single hidden warrior has a harvest. There is a harvest. The enemy is after your harvest. The enemy wants to take your harvest. Notice how the enemy in his wickedly, wickedly outlined strategy does not come to you just before the harvest so you don't reap it. He comes to you to take what you worked for. So he enables you to work it out. He he enables you to reap the harvest, not necessarily enjoy the harvest. And his objective is for you to do the work and for him to take away what you have worked for, what you have prayed for, what you have fasted for, what you have believed for. It is the hidden warrior's harvest. And man, and that's not just physical, that's spiritual, that's emotional, that's relational, that's your family's harvest. It's the harvest, the harvest that's connected to your destiny and your purpose. It's about the harvest. It's about the harvest. And, and I want to begin now by just biblically declaring, prophetically articulating the following. This year will not be like other years. Let me believe that in the midst of a COVID-19 pandemic, every single person in this auditorium in Los Angeles and streaming around the world, let me believe in the name of Jesus that nothing will be able to touch your harvest. Nothing will be able to rob your harvest. Nothing will be able to contaminate your harvest. 
How, how about this? I believe that we're going to see some unexpected things. What if I tell you that even in the midst of one of the craziest years in human history, we are about to reap the greatest harvest we have reaped thus far? Am I the only one believing for the greatest harvest ever? What if in the year 2020, when you look back 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now where the Lord tarries, and your children and your grandchildren ask you about this crazy 2020 year, they're going to say, was that your COVID year? That COVID, you're going to go, no, it wasn't the COVID year. It was the year of my greatest harvest. Something amazing is coming your way. For everybody who, who, everyone who has been sowing, if you have been sowing through your prayer life, through your giving life, through your worship, through your praise, if you have been sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing and asking God, what am I going to reap? Put a smile on your face and a shout on your lip. Because when Jesus says it's your season, it is your season. Get ready. Get ready for a harvest for you and your children and your children's children. The hidden warrior not only has a harvest, but we read previously that the hidden warrior has a cry. It is that cry that prompts God to look your way. The Bible says in Judges chapter 6 that they cried out to the Lord. And when they cried out, heaven heard their cry. There is power when we cry out to the Lord. There is power when we shout unto God. Even in our greatest moment of desperation and angst when we cry out unto God. But now... Let me share with you this hidden warrior's prophetic encounter. The Lord said, I have rescued you. I brought you out of slavery. I rescued you from the oppressors. I drove out your enemies. I gave you land. And all I ask for you is for you to worship me. God never forgets what he did for us. He reminds us, I took you out of slavery. If he took you out of the slavery of sin, raise one hand. If he rescued you from your oppressors, raise both hands. If you have literally seen God drive out your enemies, forces that came against you, raise both hands and maybe your tippy toe. If he gave you a promise that you still carry with you till this day, raise both hands and both tippy toes. I'm here to tell you that the same God that did it for Gideon is the same God that's alive today to do it for you. God never changes. Repeat after me. God never changes. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. This is for someone here. Numbers 23.19, God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said it? He that Will he not do what he has said? What he has spoken, will he not fulfill it? I'm here to tell you whatever God has promised you. I don't care what the news outlets say. I don't care what your bank account says. I don't care what your medical record may say. If God said it, it will come to pass. If God said it, he will fulfill it. If God said it, you will see it. You will experience it. Your children will bear witness of the faithfulness of Almighty God. He doesn't lie. He fulfills his word. He is the same God. He never changes. He's still taking people out of slavery. He is still in the business of rescuing from oppression, driving out the enemies, giving us a promise. And all he asked was for one thing. Don't worship anyone else but me.
that's the exchange, the transaction as it pertains to all I want you to do is worship me. Worship me. No one else but me. And because they worshipped the Amorites, because they worshipped the vestiges from the Midianite culture, what happened? They were enslaved. They lost everything. Some of the hell that falls upon us arrives because our worship stands compromised. Let me repeat that. Some of the hell that falls upon us arrives because our worship stands compromised. We worship ideologies. We worship race. We worship sex. We worship politics. We worship systems. We worship money. We worship fame. We worship status. We worship another person. We worship a moment. We worship imagery. But the world hungers for a church that worships Jesus. It's time for a group of people to rise up who have the audacity to declare we're not going to worship fame or money or ideology or political affiliation. We're not going to worship this thing or that thing. The only thing that's going to prompt me to worship, the only one who's going to get my praise and my worship is the one who died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. Is the one who on the third day resurrected and came back to life. Is the one who sent his Holy Spirit who fills my life today. So I could ask you on this October Sunday, I could ask you in this hot season in America, I could ask you right now, how many Republicans do we have in the house? How many Democrats do we have in the house? How many independents do we have in the house? How many this? How many that? But better yet, let's do it the way this tells us. How many Christ worshipers do we have in the house? How many God-honoring Father, Son, and Holy Spirit worshipers do we have in the house? Worshippers, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in John 4, 24. Psalm 95, verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Boy, we need a church that knows how to kneel down and pray. We need a church that knows how to worship. We, we just, we don't need a church that knows how to complain and whine. We need a church that knows how to kneel down, pray, and worship. We need that kind of church. Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Worship. Worship, there is a call from heaven for his children to do what Gideon had to do and pivot. No more worshiping the stuff that's out there. No more bowing down to ideologies, constructs, and systems of man. No more worshiping the moment. We have to stop this stuff, and we do it. How do you know if you're worshiping something instead of God? How much time are you spending with God in comparison to something else? How much of your energy we worship our Instagram accounts, our Facebook accounts. I'm speaking maybe to a different generation. I mean, we worship YouTube. We worship the idea of becoming famous, becoming famous. I had a conversation. If you all don't know who Landon is in my life, you'll need to find out. Just, uh, just go to my Instagram account. I just went counterintuitive on that. So you, you, I, Landon is four years old and a four-year-old kid. And Landon looked at me a couple of weeks ago. This is Landon. This is mini me. Uh, this kid has 99% Pastor Sam. 
And, and, but, but he looked at me, and all of a sudden, he said something at four years old I never would have said. But it's the generation he's, he's growing up in. He, he comes along, and he looks at me, and he says, because of the whole YouTube stuff and everything they see on social media, he looked at me. This is a four-year-old kid. And he looked at me and said, you know, he said, you know what? One day, I'm going to have my own videos, and I'm going to be super famous. I'm going to be super, super famous. And I looked at him, and I said, why? Because that's what all the other kids do. They do these videos, and, they, and people watch them, and they be, I'm going to become super, super. He even looked at me and said, I'm going to become more famous than you. And I went, I want to channel this in a positive way. And I went, hey, man, I'm, I'm, that, it's not about fame. It's not about being famous. It's about you changing the world for Jesus. It's about you changing the world for Jesus. But it's not his fault that he's growing up right now in, unless you correct that in a mindset, in a mantra that we worship fame and popularity. We worship people and wanting to come after us. And sometimes we worship ourselves. I'm here to tell you, I'm speaking to you now prophetically on this Sunday morning. We're about to see a worship revolution take place across America. No, let me say that one more time. Y'all know what Sean Foyt is doing in different cities? It's, and God bless Sean, that's my boy. It's not just going to be Sean. All across America, all across the world, you're going to see a bunch of people rising up and lifting up the name of Jesus. Where we don't care about our names. We don't care about the brand. It's not going to be about new season. It's not going to be about Hillsong. It's not going to be about Planet Shakers or Elevation. Wonderful ministries. It's going to be about the name that is above every other name. We're going to see a worship revolution take place in the nations. A hidden warrior. That hidden warrior's worship is powerful. Verse 11. The hidden warrior not only knows how to worship, the hidden warrior knows how to worship in spirit and in truth and align himself through a prophetic encounter. But the hidden warrior has a platform, which is ironically enough what not, something you would not suspect, the wine press. The angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the tree. Gideon was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press. Stand up, Gideon. I want people to see my Gideon here. This is my Gideon. This is, he's in the wine press. He's, he, go back into the pit a little bit there. See, he, he was in the wine press threshing wheat. Show, show the wheat. That's the wheat. So he's threshing wheat in a wine press. You're going to get to this in a second here. Let me begin talking to you about when the angel of the Lord found Gideon, he wasn't on top of a stage. He wasn't kicking it in a castle. He wasn't laying out in his bougie pad. Gideon was threshing wheat at the bottom of the wine press to hide the grain from the enemy. He was not just in a pit. The Bible says he was in the bottom of the pit. Not only was he in the pit, he was in the bottom of the pit hiding the harvest. What does this mean? And that's where heaven found him. That's where heaven called him out. That's where heaven said, you are a mighty hero. Another version says, you're a mighty warrior. I have great plans for you. Not, not when he was on top of the world, but when he was in his pit, at the bottom of the pit. I'm here to tell you, you may be in life's wine press right now. You may be at the bottom of your pit right now. You may be in your lowest moment right now. You may be hiding your harvest. You may be hiding because in the past, 
You have lost your harvest on more than one occasion. I'm here to tell you, put a smile on your face. Because the God that we serve is not the God that calls the people that are already on top of the stage. The God that we serve is the God that calls the people that are at the bottom of the wine press. And he calls them out by name. I don't know about you, but is there anyone here who is grateful that God picked you up out of your miry pit? That he took you out of your valley, took you out of your desert, took you out of that moment of difficulty and pain and suffering. Our God is the God of the wine press. Our God is the God that invades the pit and takes you to the palace, takes you out of your desert and breaks you in your promised land. He is the God of the wine press. That's where heaven found him. God speaks to you in the wine press. God calls you in the wine press. God defines you in the wine press. So where are you right now? Are you there? Some of the greatest sermons are preached from the wine press. Some of the greatest encounters take place from the wine press. Some of the best conversations you've ever had with God were not when you were perfectly pristine, but when you were in the bottom of your pits. So get over yourself. If you've never been here before, then you don't understand our worship and our praise. If you ask, why do you all praise the way you praise? Why are you so vociferous about your praise? Why are you guys so loud about your worship? Because if you've never been there, you won't understand why I do what I do here. But if you've been there, if you've ever been here, then you know why we lift up our hands. Then you know why we shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Then you know why silence is not an option. Then you know. It's the wine press. Some of the greatest revelations are received in the wine press. Some of the most productive, life-altering, atmosphere-shifting Conversations take place from the wine press. The Lord Jesus meets you at the wine press. Your location will not determine your destination. You missed it. Where you are, where you where you are is not where you are going. Your now is not your next. The moment God finds you, your wine press season comes to an end. That's the wine press. And in John chapter 2, the first miracle of Jesus was changing water into what? Water into wine. It's not a coincidence. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, the psalmist said. Out of the mud and the miry clay. He set my feet on solid ground. And then steadied me as I walked along. So don't judge my wine press. It may look like a pit, but it's actually my launch pad. Your pit is about to become your platform. I, I, I feel a very strong prophetic push right now to tell you, I want to warn America and the nations that are streaming right now, get ready. The church is about to come out of the wine press. We are about to shine like we've never shined before. We've had a lot of Christians who have been hiding because of fear. The fear of COVID, the fear of men, the fear of people talking bad or ill about them, the fear of haters, the fear of being labeled bigoted or discriminatory, whatever it may be. People have been hiding. I'm here to tell you the church of Jesus is about to come out of the wine press. 
I need you to get ready. There is a church that's tired of hiding. There is a church that is tired of being in the pit. There is a church that's about to stand up and we're about to declare, don't touch our children. Don't touch our values. Don't touch our families. Don't touch love, truth, hope, grace, mercy, righteousness, peace, and joy. There is a church poised and ready to come out of the wine press. Your pit is about to become your platform. And the final point for today, and here's the part that's a little bit unorthodox. Hidden warriors will convert their wine press into a threshing floor. I need to break this down if you've never heard this. This is fresh rhema from heaven, so hear this carefully. Verse 11, Gideon was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press. Y'all didn't hear that. Gideon was not threshing wheat on a threshing floor. He was threshing wheat in a wine press. Y'all know if you're getting this. He was doing the right thing in the wrong place. You don't thresh wheat in a pit. You thresh wheat upon rocks, usually next to a cliff, where the wind would separate the shaft from the wheat. It's actually above ground. It has to be above ground for the wind to do the work. That's the way in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, they were threshing wheat. No one threshes wheat in a pit. But he did. Oh, you're going to get this in a second. Why? His people were starving. He got so desperate. Show me the wheat. He got so desperate. He said, I don't know if this is going to work or not, but my people have to eat. Yeah, the, my people have to eat. So I'm going to do what's unorthodox. I know this is the wrong place, but I got to do the right thing with the right spirit in the wrong place. He was threshing wheat in a wine press. And then the angel of the Lord shows up and he looks at him. He doesn't rebuke him for doing the right thing in the wrong place. He doesn't say it's not going to work. He doesn't say, what are you doing, man? There's no win here. He looks at the man who had the audacity to do the right thing at what people said was the wrong place and the wrong time. He was doing the right thing where you're not supposed to do the right thing. I hope you would listen to this right now. He did the right thing in the wrong place. And yet the angel came along and said, you are a mighty hero. Is there anyone here who is willing to do the right thing? Even in a place that has been deemed the wrong place. That's the call. The call is this. Numbers 18:27. let me make it legal. It says the following. The Lord will consider this offering to be your harvest offering as though it was the first grain from your own threshing floor or the wine from your wine press. So it's just substantiating the fact that a wine press is not a threshing floor. Here it is. Gideon refused to permit his drama to define his destiny. He did not allow the circumstance to cripple his harvest. So he acted differently. He rejected conventional wisdom. I need my people to eat. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes 11.4. He who observes the wind and waits for all conditions to be favorable will not sow. Amen. 
He who regards the clouds will not reap. If you're waiting for the rain to saturate your ground in order to reap your harvest, Solomon says you're never going to get it. Solomon is saying you've got to do the unexpected. Here's the word. God appears in the most unexpected hour, in the most unexpected places, to use the most unexpected people to do the most unexpected things. That's why you're in this audience. That's why you're streaming right now. You may be here. You may be in your wine press. But what if I tell you, oh, that God sees your heart and you're going to reap a harvest from an unexpected place. You're going to reap a harvest from an unexpected place. You're doing the right thing in the wrong place, but in the presence of the right God. And the right God is much more important than your location. He will turn it around in your favor. If you're getting this race one hand, are you willing to make your wine press your threshing floor? Are you willing? Let me have the wheat. Are you willing to reap a harvest from your wine press? Are you willing in your most difficult hour to insist that your family and your children will not starve? The man, I feel the Lord here. He was doing the right thing in the wrong place. And heaven came down and said, everyone else would come down and say, you're just... You're an idiot. You're trying to thresh wheat in a place where there is no wind. But heaven came down and said, you know what you are to me? A mighty hero. That's it. I'm going to preach like a man possessed now. God is looking for a bunch of Gideons who are living right now in the wrong California, in the wrong America. He's waiting for those Christians to do the right thing. God is looking for a bunch of believers to rise up and do the right thing. Are you willing to do the right thing in the wrong place and reap a great harvest? Are you willing to do the unexpected in the wrong place and see the outcome be a positive outcome? Are there any Gideons in the house here this morning that are willing to thresh wheat even in the wine press of life? There's a harvest with your name on it. There's a harvest. There's a generation that's starving. There's a world that's starving for righteousness. But it's up to the church to come out of the wine press. God appears in the most unexpected hour, in the most unexpected places, to use the most unexpected person to do the most unexpected things. If that's you, raise your right hand and say, that's me. If it's really you, raise your hand and say, that's me. We live in an age where the Midianite marauders of the 21st century believe they will continue to steal our harvest, to enslave our children, and continue to prompt us to hide in the proverbial caves. Well, I guess what? I have news for the enemies of truth. I, 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 have, I have right now news for the enemies of truth, the enemies of love and grace and hope. There is an army of Gideons coming out of the wine press, declaring, my wine press is my threshing floor. There are a bunch of people. I am reaping a harvest from an unexpected place at an unexpected time and this time hell will have no access if you're willing to make this declaration repeat after me I am reaping a harvest from an unexpected place at an unexpected time and this time 
hell will have no access. If you believe what you just said, give them the best praise that shows them that you're not making this up, that it's not hype, that it's not rhetoric. We're about to reap a harvest of souls. We're about to reap a harvest of blessings. We're about to reap a harvest. Galatians 6, 9 says, do not get tired of doing what is right. For just at the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessings if you do not give up. There's a harvest coming. 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 There's a harvest coming your way. There's a harvest coming your way. There's a harvest coming your way. For not giving up. There's a harvest coming your way. For threshing wheat on the wine press. There's a harvest coming your way. For holding on to God's promises. There's a harvest coming your way. There's a harvest. Lift up your hands. There's a harvest coming for every person right now. For every person right now who has held on. There's a harvest coming. There's a harvest coming. For doing the right thing in the wrong place. There's a harvest coming. I'm going to tell you about the harvest. Amos 9.13 says this. The message version says, things are going to happen so fast that your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. Another version reads, the NLT, that the sower and the reaper will overtake one another. You won't be able to keep up with the harvest, it says. The Bible says everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, you will find blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and the hills. There's a harvest coming. There's a harvest coming. So if, you, if you've had a difficult year, I shouldn't even ask. If you've had that kind of season, no need to ask. Collectively, as humanity, we have. Psalm 65:11 says this, you will crown the year, you will finish off the year with a bountiful harvest. And even the hard pathways, the hardest areas of your life will overflow with abundance. If you receive that, raise your hand. I want everyone, if you're inclined, if you, if you receive this message, repeat after me, my wine press just became my threshing floor. Hey Gideon, you worked with what you had. No more excuses. No more procrastination. No more lame duck entitlement mentality. You need everything to be pristine in order for you to live out this Christian walk in order for you to see God's purpose in your life come to pass. I need everything to be perfect. Oh, really? Work with what you have. He had a wine press. He had a wine press. Sure, it's not the, 
the perfect alignment of things in an ideal world in an utopia threshing floor threshing wheat but he had a wine press and he worked with what he had work with what you have right now pastor sam but all i have is this if you serve god with what you have he will take care of what you need put that in your spirit edge it down if you serve god with what you have he will take care of what you need stand with me if you're not standing already we're done Gideon, here's what I want you to do. Never permit the Midianite marauders to define your God-ordained destiny. Never permit your circumstances to stop you, to stop you from living out God's assignment, 1 Corinthians 7, 17, in your life. Each and every one of you, each and every one of us have a God-ordained purpose. We're not on this planet at this time in 2020 by coincidence. We are here by divine providence. God knew you by name before you were born. He knitted you together in your mama's womb, perfectly and beautifully made, the psalmist says. You are beautiful. You are wonderfully made. You are created in the image of God. And an encounter with Jesus changes everything. It's about eternal life, John 3.16. It's about abundant life, John 10.10. 10. It's about new life, 2 Corinthians 5.17. But I'm speaking to everyone who's here. Come out. There's a season to be in the wine press, threshing wheat, because you care about those around you, not just yourself. Doing the right thing in the wrong place. And God sees that and says, so you served me with what you had. Other people made excuses, and you made it happen. You are a mighty hero. By the way, other religious people would preach a sermon differently. Religious people would say, how dare Gideon come along? You can't thresh wheat in the wine press. Oh, glory to God. But the Bible doesn't substantiate that. If that would have been the case, the angel would have said, you're wrong. But rather the angel looked at him doing this and said, you're a mighty hero. That's the grace of God. Gideon, when I say now, I want you to stand up with the wheat in your hand. It is symbolic of every single person who has been through their wine press this year. This season, there's a harvest with their name on it. And they're going to reap it from an unexpected source. Crazy, right? So when I say now, you're going to stand up. You're going to represent people who have been in the wine press threshing wheat, reaping an unprecedented harvest, an unexpected harvest from an unexpected place. Are you ready? And I'm believing likewise, you're symbolic of the church. We've been hiding for too long. We've been hiding. The Midianite marauders are taking our kids. The Midianite marauders are corrupting our kids with pedophilia and sexualization of children. They're killing our kids in the womb through abortion and in the streets through violence. There's so much going on right now. The Midianite marauders, I'm talking about spirits, not people, are doing so much harm, and yet the church is hiding. I'm tired of seeing the church hide. The church is about to come out. We're coming out of the wine press, and this is the year we're coming out. We're not going to be hidden anymore. We're not going to be politically correct anymore. We're coming out. So when I count to three, I want you to stand up. You represent Gideon and a new generation of Christ followers that will change the world. Ready? Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Stand up, Gideon.
Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise in this place. Yeah! Get your harvest. 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 Right there. Stand right there, Gideon. Heavenly Father, seal this message. Thank you that the hidden warriors are coming out. Thank you that we are hidden in Christ, Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. And because we are hidden in you, because we are hidden, Psalm 91, under the shadow of your wing and your protection, where your faithful promises, Psalm 91, verse 4, your faithful promises are our armor and our protection. Today we come out of the hiding place. Lord, we stop hiding today. And when we come out from the wine press, the world will be surprised to see us carrying a harvest. Lord, we're coming out. We are reaping an unexpected harvest from an unexpected place at an unexpected time because we serve the God that never changes. We give you the honor and the glory. I ask you, O Holy Spirit, right now to empower every Gideon, every male Gideon, female Gideon, activate them right now across the world. Because this time, the Midianites of the 21st century will never again touch our harvest. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everyone repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. That he died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins and resurrected to give me eternal life to give me new life, to give me abundant life. I declare that Christ is the only way. He is the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name. If it's